And I'd like to take this opportunity right now to introduce my uh, second guest, who is Dr. Carol Brown, who is with us from Sioux Spiritual Center uh, near Plainview, South Dakota. Welcome, Carol. Thank you, Kathleen. It's great to be with you. So, Carol, would you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Give us the little snapshot view, if you would. Sure, yeah. So, I grew up uh, in Faith, South Dakota, just up the road here. Uh, and my parents are Deacon Larry Brown and, and Valerie Brown. And um, five kids in our family grew up on a ranch, the Diamond Tea Ranch, <clears throat> north of Faith. And um, went to school in, in, in Faith. And... Uh, uh, eventually went to University of Mary, well, it was Mary College at the time, went to Mary College for a couple of years, and then uh, was in Iowa for a couple of years, came back to South Dakota, went, finished my education at Black Hill State University, <clears throat> and uh, worked, at the, uh, uh, worked at the cathedral for several years as the director of youth ministry, and uh, did that while I was finishing my education at Black Hill State. And taught at St. Thomas More for one year, and then uh, went off to Steubenville. I, I did a, a master's degree in theology uh, at Franciscan University of Steubenville, a specialization in catechetics. And then uh, got, ended up getting a job on staff there. So I worked there for eight years and ended up there for a total of ten years. And then the bug bit me for, uh, I shouldn't say the bug bit me just yet. I should say I got restless. <laughs> and I started praying about what to do and... and um, Felt like the Lord asked me, what would you like to do if you could do anything you want? And I said, well, I'd either like to go do missionary work or I'd like to go do a Ph.D. And so he kind of said, well, how about both? <laughs> so uh, the first step was mission a year of mission in Austria. And then I went to Ireland uh, and I started the Ph.D. and all the doors opened for mission for me there. So I was there for almost eight years. And then I came back to the United States uh, in um 2013, worked in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City for almost five years, and then the position opened at the Sioux Spiritual Center uh, in 2018, and um, I've been there ever since. So, talk about uh, <laughs> talk about uh, going home by a different way. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, you and I actually both did that, we coming did. home by a yes. different way. Yes, that's right. Uh, I'd like to share with our listeners that Carol and I are actually cousins, so uh, we we have that connection, though I've just gotten to know her in recent years yes. since she has uh, been running the retreat center, Sioux yes. Spiritual Center. We might want to mention also that our her, her great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents are buried out there. They helped to build the little St. Patrick's Church out there. So Yes, so yeah. it's an amazing legacy that yes. Carol is carrying on out there, yeah. which is wonderful. Great grace. So we're, we're going to break soon here, and so stay with us on Real Presence Live to hear more about Carol Brown's amazing journey with the Lord uh, following the Holy Spirit's leading. You'll get to hear more details about those different areas that she just mentioned so stay with us here on real presence live this is real presence live where the focus is not on the evil around us but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good we're local engaging and live on the real presence radio network speak life my character grows most in my down seasons somebody said Adversity introduces man to himself. In these seasons, I evaluate where I am, what brought me there, the role I played. Until I grow through adversity, 
until I harness my will and keep my emotions from ruling me, my attitude will enslave me. If I discipline my emotions, they can't use me. I am learning to be grateful for adversity. It makes me stronger, better. What is my season of adversity now? Parenting. The scariest, most rewarding endeavor of my life. And you've been listening to the result with Baby O. Has it been worth it? Every single moment. Written by Alison Updahl. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Dr. Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here on Real Presence Live in Rapid City, South Dakota, at the beautiful Terra Sancta Retreat Center. And I have here with me, my guest is from another retreat center, from the competing retreat center out near Plainview, South Dakota, Sioux Spiritual Center. And um, this is my cousin, Dr. Carol Brown, who is with me this morning to talk about um, spiritual journeys. We are following the star, and we're going to hear a little more details about how the Lord has led her um, radically in her life. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back, Carol, to early days. Mm-hmm. And you had a very interesting experience as a teenager that I would love for you to share with our listeners. Okay, sure. Especially for some of those um, parents who maybe have teenagers. Who, oh, yes. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you can listen to her yes, story. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, just to, just to preface it by saying, you know, I, I grew up in a Catholic home. Uh, my parents did all the right things. They took me to Mass. They had me baptized. They sent me to religious education at the uh, parish and they taught me my prayers they did all the things you're supposed to do Um, but I had a pretty major disconnect going on Uh, I said my prayers religiously every night uh, but I was stealing things during the day and then I would lie about what I stole when I went to the went to confession I mean it was you know you see what I mean a pretty pretty major disconnect going on there and I I thought of God as someone who was sort of out there somewhere you know and um in my in my upbringing, I knew that you didn't want to offend God because that would really get you in trouble for the long term. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, he's out there somewhere. I'll meet him someday. Um, I'm not sure that meeting is going to go really well. Uh, <laughs> and so there was sort of a, I don't know, a, I, I looked at God with a jaundiced eye, I suppose you'd say. Um, uh, I had the good fortune, though, uh, in high school, uh, a good friend uh, came into my life, and, and uh, we, we palled around quite a lot together, and, 
And one night there was, we had a sleepover. I stayed over at night at her house. And I, by the way, I should say I'm a melancholic. So, okay. So I'm, I'm one of these uh, drama queen kids that just doom and gloom on the horizon all the time, you know, and lots of, lots of interior drama for sure. And, um, your poor parents, my poor parents. <laughs> yes. My, my dad is always saying it's going to be okay. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, so we're having this sleepover and I am mourning all of the doom and gloom and the fearful things that are going to happen in the future. I'm not sure how anything's going to work out and whatever. And my friend just listened to me for quite a while. And then she said, Carol, have you ever prayed about this? And I remember thinking, well, now why would I do that? <laughs> you know, because I mean, I said my prayers religiously every night. I knew the Hail Mary, the Our Father, the Creed. I, I had this little pattern of all the prayers that I would say every night before I went to bed. Um, but to pray about something was something I'd never heard of. <laughs> you know, uh, the thought of praying about something was just a completely foreign idea. And so, um, uh, Anyway, that night she gave me a Bible. She gave me a little, a little like a little teenage devotional guide, you know, kind of thing, and um, and also a, a pirated uh, Amy Grant music tape <laughs> back in the day. Yes. Back in the day when we had cassette tapes, and um, all of those things kind of kind of came together uh, to to, um, to to create a bridge for me. So. Um, I didn't start reading the Bible right away. I, I didn't know anybody who actually did that. So the little book and the and the Bible sat on my bedside table, you know, for a long time. But uh, one day I, I picked it up and I opened the little the little book. It was called Take Five, um, and I read the scripture and then I, I went and, and read the little passage, and it kind of said something about it, it spoke to something that was happening in my day, and uh, and I thought, oh, this is like a horoscope. Which is a terrible way oh, no. to think about, you know, the scriptures or whatever. But, but that's what my little 13, 14-year-old mind was thinking. Oh, okay, so I can check this little book every day and I can get an idea of what might happen today kind of thing, you know. Well, that's how the Lord got his hooks in me, okay? So, uh, so sure enough, when I took up the scriptures, when I took up the daily devotional guide, several times a week, he, something would come through. That, spoke, that communicated something into my life that he knew. I, I, it shocked me to find out he knew what was going on in my life and that he could communicate with me about what was going on in my life. You know, that was a discovery. I didn't know, you know, I mean, he's out there, right? Yeah. And how you viewed him. That's how I viewed him, you yes. know, and then I discovered that he's not only not out there, he's here and he knows what's going on and he's able to speak into my life and my situation. So anyway, one day I, um, I, the, the reading was from Luke chapter 1, where uh, it, it's, a, it's a prayer we pray every day in the prayer of the church. It's the Zechariah's Canticle. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. And, and there's a couple of lines in there that just kind of jumped off the page at me. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high has broken upon those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. I grew up in a, a very uh, faith-filled home. It wasn't Catholic, but very faith-filled. And uh, But when I got to college, I had a lot of questions, asked a lot of questions, didn't really get answers, and and would say I became more of a agnostic. Um, you know, as I then uh, moved out to Seattle, I was really, really searching. And um, 
But then, you know, all through my life, everything was always compared to the Catholic Church. It was it was everything and the Catholic Church, and and so I just really felt the need to um, to look into that. And I had a catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, so I, you know, that was a great resource, and and spent a lot of time reading through that. So yeah, asked a lot of questions, uh, had a lot of questions about the church as an authority, especially, and, and being able to rely on that. Um, truth, how can we know truth? Where is the truth? Hi, I'm Pat Lave from the uh, Our Lady Lakes Council in Spicer, New London, uh, Minnesota, and uh, I'm a knight, have been for at least 12 to 15 years, charter member of our uh, council, and I really believe that for us to build up our church on earth, uh, men gathering together and supporting our priests and uh, religious and working together for the common good, the people around our area and throughout the world. And I believe we need everybody to help. It doesn't take one person. It takes everybody to pitch in and to do the work that needs to be done for the glory of God. What I love about Real Presence Radio is it seems like whenever I'm struggling with something and I turn on the radio, that seems to be the topic that they're talking about. So thank you, Lord, for Real Presence Radio in my life. My friend's been trying to convert me for years. I have a long commute, and he told me to turn to Real Presence Radio. After listening to Catholic Answers for about nine months, I'm happy to say that my wife and I have converted to the faith. Presence of the Lord in my family room. And uh, and I, heard, I, I knew that he was asking me a question. And the question was, will you be on my side? Mm. Maybe kind of some, kind of like the same question she was asking me, but maybe just a little bit more gently put, right? And I knew somehow that if I said yes to that question, that was going to mean saying no to sin and certain things that I wasn't sure I wanted to rule out just yet, if you know what I mean. And uh, so I, I didn't say yes, but I also didn't say no. I just uh-huh. kind of kept it in neutral. You know, I, I didn't say no, didn't say yes. And I felt that presence kind of back off, you know, and, uh, but I kept picking up the scriptures and kept, you know, connecting with the Lord, kept experiencing him, communicating with me. And that relationship just continued to grow. And, um, so it was a kind of a gradual falling in love process, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, so fast forward, I, uh, I was to be confirmed when I was in high school and I had a very good presentation of the Catholic proposal made to me at that time. Father Don Hickerson was my confirmation teacher uh-huh. and, uh, and he's, he's died now, God rest him. Um, but he was also a very important cat- catalyst in my solidification of my faith. He told us we don't have to be confirmed, you know, but he made the proposal in a very logical way. And because I was already falling in love with Jesus, this discovery and I mean it was a discovery that I could touch this Jesus that I was falling in love with with my with my hands <laughs> I could hold him in my hands like the creator of the universe I could hold him in my hands this explosion of Eucharistic amazement uh, just sort of took over my my, my young imagination you know and wow. so it, it it really sealed it for me that I was going to be a Catholic and so um, and that's why I choose uh, chose a uh, uh, Mary College was because I wanted to augment uh, my relationship with the Lord and my and my sense of myself as a Catholic. So when I finished high school, um, 
that then took me up to Bismarck. And unfortunately, at that time, uh, and I don't think that anybody minds me saying this, at that time, uh, uh, Mary College, at the, as it was called at the time, was not in a great place. It was, it was, there, were, there was, um, you know, and I don't think many of the Catholic universities around the United States were in a great place. There was, there was just a lot of, you know, it was pre, it was, it was after the Vatican Council, it was before the Catechism. There was a lot of things that seemed to be up in the air. And so where, where I was at that time, there were, there was a lot of drugs, a lot of addiction. I had two girls in my, sharing a dorm room with who were stay up all night, sleep all day people, uh-huh, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. which was not, you know, what I was looking for in a Catholic college, you know, and, um, and so, um, so um, I moved forward uh, as far as I could go, and then, and then at one point, I just, had, I just thought, I've got to get out of here. I could feel it, you know, kind of slipping through my fingers. Um, and I started to pray about what to do. And um, and one day, I walked past the library uh, at Mary College, and there was a, a, a notice hanging on a bulletin board, and um, uh, there was a, it, it said twenty five to thirty positions opening up in youth ministry throughout the Midwest. Churches served are mostly Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, everything but Catholic, and you got to be 21 to apply, which I wasn't. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and we're here on Real Presence Live, and I'm talking with Dr. Carol Brown from Sioux Spiritual Center. She's the director at Sioux Spiritual Center, and she has some good stories that she is sharing with us. She just told a very wonderful story about um, really developing a personal relationship with the Lord in her high school years. And now we're going to go. We're going to go on to hear a little bit about um, her story when she worked as a youth director at Cathedral, and where the story kind of goes to the next level. So, okay. Carol, all right. So I was. Uh, we had a few technical difficulties there. Uh, I was just finishing up by saying that I had taken some training in youth ministry, uh, and I, I got a job in a church in southeastern Iowa. I worked there for two years, and then I came back to Rapid City and began to um, work at the Cathedral Parish under the uh, under the leadership of um, Father Brian Sorensen, who was the associate pastor at the time. So, Father Brian, if you're listening, a little shout out to you. So, um, so, uh, anyways, I uh, started working at Cathedral, started finishing the uh, started finishing the uh, my bachelor's degree up at Black Hill State University. So I was commuting back and forth between. Uh, Rapid City and uh, Spearfish, and um, uh, trying to get the get some traction in the youth ministry experience there, and um, uh, I had this uh, experience kind of of being really overwhelmed with the responsibility there uh, at the at the cathedral. I just I had a great I, I fell in love with the Lord, you know, as I said earlier, and I want everybody to know Jesus. And so I walk into this situation, and I want everybody, all the young people that I'm responsible for, to know to know the Lord. And so I'm trying to get people involved. And a lot of the people that I'm getting involved, God bless them, were, were folks from Ellsworth uh, who would be, you know, co- coming through and wanting to connect with people. And and uh, and then they get deployed, and and then you know things would 
things would uh, fall apart for a bit, and then we tried to put it back together, and <laughs> you know, whatever. So, um, so anyway, one day, uh, one of these friends, one of these people that uh, that was involved in the youth ministry, came in by my office and said, uh, "Oh, I forgot to mention one thing." So, uh, and this is probably a good preface to what I'm about to tell you. So, I had when I was at uh, Mary College. Um, I had been invited to go to a charismatic prayer meeting up there, and uh, and and I I have to say I was completely turned off by it. I I there were people there praying over people, and and sometimes they seemed to faint or fall fall over. I now know that that's called resting in the spirit, but at the time I didn't know what was going on, and um, so I was completely turned off. I and I had since I had had psychology one hundred and one, I knew what this was. You know, this is psychological suggestion. This is um, this is uh, herd instinct. You know, I don't know. Um, so anyway, this 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 friend of mine stops by the office when I'm at the cathedral. And she says, you know, I had some bad dreams recently here, and, and they've kind of got me a little upset, and uh, so-and-so was telling me that I ought to go to the healing mass, and I was wondering if you would come with me to the healing mass. And I said, oh, sure, I'll go with you to the healing mass. I thought a healing mass would be mass with the anointing of the sick. That was my idea of what a healing mass would be. So um, so off we go uh, down to um, the Immaculate Conception, the old cathedral, and uh, and we walk in the door, and here are all these people with their hands in the air, and they're all praying in tongues. And I'm like, oh, no, this is a charismatic thing. Oh, dear. And uh, so anyway, um, Mass continues and, and, and wraps up. And at that point, then they, they announce that there are going to be these prayer teams around the church in different places. And so my friend went off to... Uh, to to be prayed with in one of these prayer teams, and I'm sitting in the back of the church with my arms folded, and I'm thinking back on all the weird people that I've ever connected with that were charismatic, and and how that's not for me, and I'm glad I never got taken in by this thing, and uh, and then and then my mind started to muse over other people that I had met who were actually rather credible, <laughs> who were into this kind of stuff. You know, my friend Diane, she speaks in tongues, and she's not weird. And uh, my friend Jackie, she's, she goes to a charismatic prayer group, but she's not weird. And in fact, Jackie had been inviting me to come to her prayer group for over a year, and I kept saying, no, I'm not charismatic, I'm not into that sort of thing. And uh, so, um, so anyway, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about, okay, there are weirdos in the charismatic thing, and then there are those not weirdos in the charismatic thing, and I'm just musing about all this. And then the janitor starts going around, and he's locking doors, and he's shutting da- shutting off lights. So I know it's going to be over pretty soon. And at the last minute, for, for reasons I, I still don't really understand, I just thought, ah, oh, what the heck, it's just prayer. Can't hurt anything. So... <laughs> So, so I went, went up. up. So I went up. I went <laughs> into went I went into the little one of the little rooms where there was a prayer meeting or a prayer uh, team going, and so I walk in. The lady that's leading the prayers never met me in her life. She doesn't know anything about me whatsoever. And she says, "Is there anything special you'd like prayer for?" And I said, "Yeah, I I I'd, I'd like it if you would pray for me for some frustrations I'm having at work." And she said, "Okay, let's pray." And so she's puts her hands on my head, I think, and and they start praying, and pr- she's praying in tongues and. About 15 seconds into it, she pauses and she says, Carol, I have this picture in my mind's eye of this of this mountain. And the mountain is kind of strewn with stones. And you're going around and you're trying to pick up all the stones because you want to take them to the top of the mountain. And the higher you climb, the heavier the load gets until you collapse in fatigue and it all goes rolling back down to the bottom of the mountain. Does that mean anything to you? And I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> And uh, so, um, so she says, "Okay, well, let's just pray a little bit more." And so she puts her hands on my on my head again. And she begins to continue to pray in tongues. And in about fifteen seconds, she says, 
It is to be, Carol, that you are not to try to pick up all these stones. You are to pick up only the most precious and beautiful ones and trust that Jesus will bring the rest. And in that moment, she not only got a bullseye on God's perspective on my situation, uh, and but she, she also got underneath a litany of lies that had been going through my head. So every day when I would travel back and forth between Rapid City and Spearfish, there would be this little litany of lies going through my head. You're a loser. You can't really do this. You're not talented enough. You don't play guitar. You know, um, you, you, you're, you're not funny enough. You know, you're not charming enough. Uh, you know, you, you only, out of all these 500 kids, you probably only know 50 of them, you know, and maybe you know 25 of them by name, and you're failing. And, and Jesus is disappointed in you. And that was what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. the Lord is disappointed in me because I'm not doing this well. I'm not doing this as well as I would want to. People aren't responding as well as I want to. I can't get traction. you know. And it turns out that God didn't even want me to take that responsibility on myself. You know, and it just, it just was amazing to me, you know, and I thought to myself, I could have spent six months in therapy and not been able to get at that, you know, and in 30 seconds, she got to it. She addressed it. She got under the lie and set me free, you know, and I thought to myself, okay, there's more to this than I thought. This is not just psychological suggestion. This is not just herd instinct. There is power here. Right. You knew it. I knew it. Your deepest being. I knew it. Yeah. He knows who I am. Right. And And you you knew she was connected to the Lord. Well, yeah, she didn't know anything about me. She didn't know anything about me. So how did she get that? You know, how did she know that? You know, and so, uh, so I called my friend Jackie up and I, I said, Jackie, I think I need to start going to your prayer meeting, you know, I, because I thought I need this in my life and yes. I need, I need people in my life who, who, who are doing this. We all need this in our life. The church needs this, yes. you know, my faith was built up. I was edified. I was encouraged that God knew who I was. He completely corrected a wrong idea that I had. Um, and I bet you were able to be even more effective going forward. Well, as I often say, you know, my life before that was like uh, riding on a riding on a stationary bicycle where you're working really hard and getting nowhere to trying to hang on to a high-speed motorcycle that's going really fast. <laughs> and I mean, and he's taken me all over the world since then. You know, it has been a, an, a marvelous adventure and I have had, I've gotten to do some really, really cool things. Yes. You know. Yes, so, you uh, have. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Truly. So yeah. it was just really the, your launching pad. Oh, it, it was the beginning of something really new for me. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I hear criti- critique of the charismatic renewal as, oh, you know, those people, they're so emotional. I'll tell you what, when something like that happens to you, it does touch your emotions. Yes. But I wasn't there because of emotions. I wasn't there to seek emotions or to get emotions. And I've never gone to any of this stuff in order to get myself worked up emotionally. Right. Okay. But I have discovered that there's healing, there's miracles, there, there, are, there, there are just amazing things that God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And to write it off as just an emotional experience is false and a lie. Okay? Yes. I want, to, I want to just say that loud and clear. That is false and a lie to say that the charismatic part of our faith is just an emotional thing. And in fact, the church has, te- has, has had some significant teaching on that since uh, the charismatic renewal came about in the late 1960s to now. Um, 
if you if you look up in the in the catechism, it mentions, for example, the charismatic gifts and the and the gift of tongues. The United States Catholic bishops have put out a, a document called Grace for the New Springtime, which explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. And John Paul II, <clears throat> this is one of my favorite ones. John Paul II, Pope John Saint John Paul II, in 1998, he invited all the movements throughout the world to come to Rome for Pentecost. And so all the Focolari people and all the Charismatic Renewal people and all the Curcio people and all the all the people that were in these, you know, ecclesial movements uh, came to Rome and he gave this beautiful address in 1998 where he said that there was a providential rediscovery of the of the church's charismatic dimension at the council and that the uh, the charismatic dimension of our faith is coessential with the institutional. And my goodness, what a thing to say that the charismatic dimension of our faith is coessential with the institutional. Now, that doesn't just mean, you know, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of, you know, miracles. It means also gift of ministration. It means the gift of, you know, um, voluntary poverty for some people. It means the gift of uh, spiritual direction is a charism, you know. Uh, care for the poor is a charism, you know. Hospitality yes. is a charism, you know. So the whole, the whole broad, you know, enormous spectrum of, of charisms is all part of... Uh, what God wants to give us, and the charismatic renewal is just one particularly intense outpost, <laughs> yes. you know. Uh, and uh, and charismatic renewal doesn't have a founder, by the way, apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole <laughs> right. interesting story we could get into too, if you ever wanted to. But uh, which is another whole topic that yeah, we we, we get will into. do yes. at some time. Yes, yes, yes. And and Carol, then your story goes on, and and the next segment will talk a little bit about. I think we'll focus on your move to Ireland. Yes. And, you know, how the Holy Spirit led sure. there. Quick story on that. And mm -hmm. then we will come back to hear about your, your position at Sioux Spiritual okay. Center. Sounds good. And we'll go to break right now. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. For me, it was just a question of, okay, put aside all of your preconceptions, your Protestant judgments, and, and come to it with an open mind. And once I did that, I started to recognize there was a whole bunch of scripture, as, as a Protestant scripture was the bellwether for everything, that I had never looked at in, in the way the Catholics did. In fact, I think there were scriptures that I had felt like I'd never even seen before. I'm like, What? Where did that come from? And uh, so then as, as the fog was lifted, I think the biggest thing that happened for both of us is that we recognized we no longer had to have all of the answers. There was a magisterium in place, and I can spend my entire life living contentedly in the Catholic faith and never stop learning and never have to have all the answers because the church has them. And if I have a question, I can find it out. The Catholic faith brought us complete peace. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. 
Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Dr. Kathleen Kavorik, and we're here fanning the flames this morning. And our topic is following the star, unusual journeys, and the gifts that they bring. And I'm with Dr. Carol Brown from Sioux Spiritual Center. And she is just about to share with us just a little snippet of her experience as being the director of evangelistic outreach for Steubenville. And then a little bit about her adventures in Ireland, and then about coming back home. All right. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, I I went in uh, 1994. I went to uh, Steubenville to Franciscan University of Steubenville to do an, a master's of arts in. Um, Theology and Christian ministry, and I also got a specialization in catechetics when I was there. Uh, and I ended up landing a job in the student life office as a, a, a it was a um, it was a graduate student assistantship. And because of that, I was uh, in the office one day. Um, actually, I'd been planning to go to Austria because we had a program over there, so that was in my thoughts. And I had actually applied to be the the RA over there. And um, Speaking of stars and unusual journeys, right? So uh, I had got, jumped through all the hoops to get the job to be the RA over there. And one day I came in the office and I heard the Lord say to me, withdraw your application. And I didn't want to withdraw my application. So I'm like, <laughs> what? Why? Why would I do that? And so I just kind of tried to ignore it and put it out of my mind. Next day, same thing. Withdraw your application. And I'm still fighting it, you know. Uh-huh, so the next day uh-huh. I come in again and withdraw your application. So finally I'm like, okay, I think this is the Lord. Uh, you got the three times. I got the three <laughs> times. And so I went ahead and I, I contacted the boss and I said, um, I think I'm being told to withdraw my application for the RA position in Austria. So um, life went on. Uh, and there was a lady who worked in the office who was the director of evangelistic outreach. And she and her husband became expectant with child. And she came in my office one day because I was there and not in Austria. She uh, came in my uh-huh. office one day and she said, Carol, uh, we, when, when our baby is born, we are going to, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. And we think you should apply for my job. And I was like, really? Wow. And so, <laughs> so anyway, fast forward, I end up getting that job and here I am put in charge of all the charismatic stuff there, you know, oh on, the on-campus charismatic stuff. So the, the Life and Spirit seminars and the festivals of praise and the weekly prayer meetings and all the different things uh, that have to do with that and some other things as well. Um, it was a wonderful 10 years. It was, uh, I mean, eight years. I got the job and it was a very happy chapter of my life for eight years just and learned so much from the students. I really was very green uh, when I arrived in Steubenville and to suddenly be put in charge of all, all the things, you know, this high-power stuff. I was like, I'm so out of my depth. I don't even know what I was doing. And if 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 I had been hiring, I would not have hired me. <laughs> so, um, but evidently the Lord wanted it yes. because I was in the right place at the right time because I had been obedient, you yes. know, to to that little prompting uh, of the Lord. So, so uh, I was there for about 
six years, I think, when I started to get a little restless. I was, I, you know, one thing about university life, one calendar year is just like the next calendar year. So uh-huh. I have one big year of those eight years all plastered in my head in one year. And I can't remember who was there when or whatever, but anyway i one one day i was I was in this restless state, and i I knelt down by my bed, which i didn 't do very often, but I knelt down by my bed and I said lord i don 't know what i 'm supposed to be doing with my life, but i 'm really restless, and I wonder if you could you know do you have what what, what should I be doing and I heard him say, "Well, uh, what would you do if you could do anything you wanted and i said well i 'd go be a missionary or i 'd go do a phd and so within about Maybe six months from that time, I got an invitation to bring some students to Austria. I met a mission group over there, and I the bug bit me for mission. So I went. I came home, sold all I had, and moved to Europe. And I was in Austria for one year with this international interdenominational missionary outfit that had a Catholic subsidiary called Kerygma Teams. Oh. And uh, so I was with them for one year. It was kind of a chaotic year. And in the last, uh, we were going to Croatia once a month. And in the last. Uh, my last trip to Croatia, uh, at the closing mass of this this thing we had been doing for a year, a girl showed up who had not been there for anything the whole year, and some mutual friends introduced us, and she mentioned that she was going to Dublin to study Christian spirituality, which was what I wanted to do a PhD in, if I could do a PhD in, in, any, in anything. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I went home and looked up this program, and here it is pretty much what I had in mind, you know, what I what I wanted to do, and it, and it was less expensive than anywhere else I had found. I didn't have to do the GRE. I didn't have to have 10 languages. I, you know, there were just a lot of things about it that were attractive. Only nine languages, yeah, right? Nine. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I finished my year in Austria, and I got on a plane, and I went to Dublin, and I lived there for eight years. And uh, I, I finished a PhD. I did a, I did a PhD uh, on the, uh, the conversion of the baptized in the thought of John Paul II, so that's my, my doctoral uh, interest. And um, I ended up um, landing in the neighborhood where the same missionary outfit was, was, was operating out of, and I met some people there who wanted to get Christian radio started in Ireland. They didn't have Christian radio in Ireland, but the, 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 the quirk on it was that they wanted to get Catholics and Protestants together to do this. How beautiful. How strange. <laughs> right. Now, if you can put yourself in the Bible Belt somewhere and imagine trying to set up a radio station where the Catholics and the Baptists to get together and uh, yes, do Christian yes, radio, would, that's, that would seem weird, wouldn't it? You know, But it didn't seem weird to me for some reason, probably because I had such an affection for Protestants because of my own conversion was yes. so impacted by this okay. Lutheran girl, you know, so um, and, and other things that had happened along the way. So... Um, so uh, the guy who wanted to start that uh, came to me one day and he said, you know, the Catholics, the, the Protestants, they all want to talk about Jesus, but the Catholics want to talk about everything else except Jesus. <laughs> like, so I don't know how to do this, you know? And I said, well, David, I don't know. This is your, your thing, you know? I mean, I, I don't know how to do this either. So, so anyway, we left it. And uh, so as I was prepping up my, my, my uh, uh, proposal for my doctoral uh, presentation on John Paul II, I kept coming across these little gems in all of his teaching that were very, that sounded very evangelical. You know, they mm-hmm. sounded like things that would ring well in an evangelical's ear. You yes. know, like uh, he talked a lot about personal relationship with Jesus. And yes. he, well, there's one in particularly this in his, uh, in his encyclical Mission of the Redeemer where he says, conversion means accepting by a personal decision the saving sovereignty of Christ and becoming his disciple. You know, I used to throw that out to 
the two Protestant groups that I was in, and I'd say, now, who said this? And they'd say, oh, Billy Graham must have said that. Or, you know, uh, one of these, Never Charles, Charles, Charles Swindoll or somebody. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was St. John Paul II who said it. And they said, do the Catholics know about this? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, David asked me to put a position. I, I said to David, you know, I think you could probably maybe set this radio station up on the crossroads between what John Paul II is calling the new evangelization and what the evangelicals have always cared about. Because there's a nice little overlap there. And so he said, would you write a position paper on that and I could, that I can show some people? So I wrote a little paper on, um, you know, sort of how we could do this, bringing Catholics and Protestants together. And he presented it to some Protestants and they loved it. Presented it to some Catholics and they hated it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I ended up getting invited to be on the board to get that radio station off the ground. And we went through, I, I'm not kidding you, we went through hell to get that to happen. But um, but eventually it did go on the air uh, in 2011. So it's 10 years old now. Oh, wow. And they had a, uh, they did a, a survey, a study uh, at some point where they, they um, surveyed that they were hitting a half a million listeners. And I, uh, they've never been able to duplicate that, so I don't know if it's still true or not, but, um, uh-huh. but uh, I can tell you that it has touched many, many lives. Yes. I just got a letter from them the other day where they, someone wrote a letter to them that, that said, I've been thinking about suicide, and I somehow, I couldn't get my radio to turn, tune into any station except yours, and it's become my... You know, it's become my my daily you know my daily wow. my daily soundtrack sort of sort of thing. So it's not EWTN by any means. It's more like a Catholic friendly version of K Love. You know, a Catholic a Methodist friendly version of K Love or a Church of Ireland friendly version of K Love. You know, it's music mostly and and light talk uh, with some profound little you know speech pieces in between. I ended up uh, after I finished the PhD, I ended up going to work there at the radio station and I was the, the, the speech content editor so I kind of guided the station through the minefield. I was familiar with what the major uh, minefields were and so I was kind of able to kind of help guide it you know, through through that initial couple of years. And then one day, uh, as you can imagine, now this is a listener funded station and, and as you can imagine, uh, this station didn't make sense to anybody. The, the Protestant says, this all sounds too Catholic. And the Catholics would say, this sounds very Protestant, <laughs> which made us know we were hitting it right where we needed to hit it. But anyway, as a listener-funded station, it, it was hard to get any, it was hard to get the buy-in, you know. Yes. And so we struggled financially to make it work. And one day, uh, they just weren't able to, to make payroll, you know. And then at some point, I ran out of gas, and I had nothing. I had no money. I had nothing but $38,000 in student loan debt. And I had been putting all the emergencies on the credit card. And I just thought, yes. you know, I, I can't keep doing this. You know, Lord, you, you do not seem to be opening the door for me to stay here as much as I would love to spend the rest of my life in Ireland. Yes. You do not, you're not releasing the means for me to do that. And I am not willing to live on the street when I'm old. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and that's what then eventually took you to Oklahoma City right. and then yes. the opportunity yes. for Sioux Spiritual Center. Yes. yes, Have you got time for one quick story or am I too, are we too close? Go, go ahead, a quick one. Okay, so I was in a part of a little charismatic prayer group there in, in Dublin and, and I was having visa problems getting to stay. And a friend of mine in this prayer group was praying for me and he said, every time I pray for you, I keep getting a picture of tall buildings and down at the down at the base of the where these tall buildings are, there's a water tower sitting there. And he said, "Does that mean anything to you?" And I'm like, "That means nothing to me. I have no idea what that means." But it's stuck in my head, uh-huh. right? 
Uh-huh. And so uh, fast forward through a couple of other bumpy roads, um, I end up meeting Archbishop Paul Coakley, uh, and and he invited me to come to Oklahoma City for an interview for a job that he had posted there. I didn't want to go to Oklahoma City, didn't know anybody there, but he picks me up from the airport, brings me into town, and all of a sudden, here we are under all these tall buildings and all these water towers. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. Yeah. And so and that was one knew. of my, my big signs that, yes, this is your next destination. Yes. Well, Carol, thank you so much for being here with us. And we will get you back to talk more about Spiritual, Sue Spiritual Center. I would love that. And there are many events that Carol's got coming up. So please go to the website for Sue Spiritual Center mm-hmm. and take a look at many of the things she's got coming up. Thank you, Carol, for being here and blessings on your continued journey. Thank you so much. So stay with us here and we will be back shortly uh, to end our time together with Father Ed Van Orney. This This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 